Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome to the final Late Lunch of this week. Great to have you with us on the show. We have comedy for you this afternoon. We have our TV theme competition. Tara Walker's cooking for us. David Sheehan runs the rule over sport. And Declan Bailey talks about the new Apple Suite announced in the last few days. If you want to join us on the show, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text to get in touch with us. Now, we begin today with a man who's leaving his position uh, shortly. In fact, I think today in my promo for the show, I retired him already. He's a very familiar voice on LMFM radio and for good reason. Yes, he is Chief Superintendent of Louth and I'm delighted to say hello today and I'm going to wish him well to Garda Christie Mangan. Hello again, Christie. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you for joining me. I apologise. I I prematurely re- retired you, uh, and uh, you know, um, I, I know it's a couple of weeks still to go. But we thank you for joining us because your time is coming to an end. Christy, take me back. What year did you pass out, and where were you first assigned to? Um, well, when I joined in 1982, it's a, I suppose a lifetime ago for a lot of people, a lot of your listeners probably weren't even born, but uh, I went to uh, Sundrive Road, which is near Crumlin, and uh, that's where I, I, I would have began off my career, um, busy place, unfortunately a very violent area, uh, a lot of violent crime, um, but uh, a good place to work because you learned your trade at a, at a very early stage and you learned how to look after yourself because if you didn't um, I, I think you'd be you'd be departing the scene fairly quickly so look what I mean I know people talk about now being pretty violent but the 80s wasn't um, wasn't mm. a, a nice 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 era either but look at it there were good times there as well we, we met uh, a lot of characters I would say you know yeah and from there just take us briefly where did you go between then and, and arriving with us here in the northeast? Yes, I, I, I went to Clonus. Uh, I actually got promoted to sergeant and I went up to Clonus for 12 months, which certainly was very interesting because you're dealing with border issues, yeah. border policing. And look, that was in the 90s, early 90s, when, you know, people weren't too friendly uh, in certain areas on the border. Uh, definitely having to look at it, have a pot shot at you. And I went back to Crumlin uh, for a, a while where I dealt with mainly drug issues and then. In the in the around ninety seven, uh, it was decided to set up the Garda National Drug Unit, which 
Uh, it was a huge opportunity. Uh, I was asked to join it. So I went in there for seven years and you really what you were dealing with was international drug trafficking, you know, huge shipments of controlled drugs, heroin, ecstasy uh, from, you know, southern um, South America right into Europe. And we would have worked a lot in the continent dealing with, uh, you know, German police, French, uh, the, the, you know, all the EU countries. Um, dealing with huge seizures uh, basically that that's that's what i was dealing with mm. uh, and then uh, after that i went into uh, i went to uh, Fitzgibbon street which probably was one of the one of the more interesting areas that i would have been in because unfortunately i was there for three years and in that three years we we had 16 murders which was a, a lot of cases to deal with uh, in a, in a small area, um, you know, we, we, we mm. unfortunately we had a, the Scissor Sisters cases, cases like that, which do consume a lot of your time. Yeah. And then uh, I was down to sorcery for a brief period until I was asked to set up the Garda Cold Case Unit in 2007. Mm. Uh, we set that up um, very very good area to work in because you're you're dealing with unsolved homicides, dealing a lot with with the the victims' families. And the issues that would have arisen, you know, in historic murders, uh, where people feel very, very aggrieved that nobody has been, you know, brought to court and charged with the the killing of their loved one, and yes. you know, they, they require a lot of answers, and which, thankfully, in a, in, a, in a large amount of cases, and we had at that time we had two hundred and thirty murders to uh, review, and we were in a position to give answers to a, a lot of people, which was which was very good. Um, I, I was spent two years in the west of Dublin uh, in Blanchardstown as a detective superintendent, which was actually very chaotic, uh, but interesting yet again, uh, dealing with, you know, we covered right across from City West down right across St. Margaret's. It was a, it's a huge geographical yes. area in, in, the, in the west of Dublin. And then I went up to Monaghan again. I took a great liking for the countryside. And when the position came up uh, free in Drogheda, um, I, I obviously was aware of a lot of the, the you know, the, what what what's going on, and I knew Adrian Donahue's case was a case there that you know we 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 needed to assist in, and I was lucky enough to to have the last five years of uh, a, a lot of chaos, but enjoyable days as well, enjoyable times, um, meeting a lot of honourable, decent people who only wanted help. So that's, I suppose, a, a shortest synopsis as I can give, Jerry. Yeah, my God, you've had a wide and varied and experienced career and dealt with some high-profile cases. Just going back to your cold case unit, I particularly remember the case of Raynard Murray, uh, uh, who uh, was murdered in September 1999. And, and there are many other cases, Christy, as you say there as well. Is there always hope to solve, no matter how long it goes? There is. There, there, there is hope to solve a case. Or... Look, unfortunately, in some cases, the, the, the suspect has died and you, you're you not going to be in a position to, you know, bring a case to court to prosecute that person. But mm. you're, you're definitely able to give explanations to families as to what happened to their loved one in that final few minutes of their life and, you know, give them an explanation as to what happened, which is very important to families. Uh, it's also very important that you know, we sit and we listen to a family and a lot of times when you're meeting with a family whose loved one has been murdered maybe, you know, in the mid-80s, they simply want to tell you how they feel and how, in some cases, they feel very aggrieved with the way they were treated. Mm. 
and you're able to sit and you have to soak it up sometimes and you know take the the verbal punches as I, as I would call them and then when it calms down you know people then realize that you're there to help you're trying to help and then you know what what you're trying to do then is to come back to them to tell them exactly what you uh, have established that actually did happen and sometimes it can be misinformation and rumor becomes in in entwined in fact and and uh, you know the facts are very distorted for for some people as regards what actually did did take place at a particular time in a particular town or village in the country so that is very important some of the cases yes you you will when you look at the papers and you know there can be pretty old cases you say well, right well this case has a lot of prospects we have uh, we have some evidence here and we can build on them and then when you go back talking to you know, people who would have been very loyal to the suspect in the case that might have been maybe married, maybe you know, just very, very close to them. They're not as close. Relationships have broken down, broken up, or whatever we might call it. And they're in a position where they can talk. Maybe they're not under the, the, the fear mm. of retribution from this person anymore. They've grown up or become more mature. So, you know, you can build on those, those types of things and get people to talk to you, sit down and engage. And Sometimes when you go, do go back to people from some, for some of the more historic cases, they've been waiting for the knock on the door. Yes. Uh, we, we dealt with a, a person over in the UK who had been involved in a murder here in Ireland. And when we knocked on the door in Liverpool, the person says, I was waiting for this knock on the door for the last uh, 20 years. I was waiting for you to come. I always knew this day was going to come. And they actually, they cooperated, uh, they received a, a jail sentence for their part in, 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 in the murder. So, you know, it's, it's amazing what you can find in um, an, you know, an investigation file, mm. historic ones. And then when you're in a position to give a clear insight to the family, and it is important to be very, very factual and truthful with a family. And sometimes it's not very palatable to tell them this is exactly what happened and but people do appreciate that you're you're trying to discover the truth of the of the matter that you're investigating. So it is it is a very good process for assisting families, um, and it does work. And it's worked throughout the world. We, we before we set up the unit, we examined what they were doing in in, in the US. Uh, we we brought over uh, FBI investigators here to train us up on you know dealing with uh, different aspects of unsolved homicides. We dealt with our colleagues in, in Wales. Uh, the best, One of the best units in the world is actually based in Cardiff. Uh, and we, we, we dealt with them on a number of occasions. And then we actually, with the experience we were building up, we were able to advise other units as regards, you know, how they might deal with them as well. And, you know, we've, we, we went on, on, on numerous uh, international conferences um, to to explain what we had done mm. and uh, what we had learned, yes. and particularly when you're dealing with maybe some of the historic terrorist uh, based cases, that uh, because they, they they are difficult and other jurisdictions thankfully don't have that type of a crime. You know, mm. the you mentioned the Scissor Sisters, the Mulhall Sisters, Linda and Charlotte, uh, the dismembered body of Farinur, uh, the boyfriend of, of their mother who was involved as well and who actually came back to Ireland later and, and served uh, time in prison for it. You know when you, you come across uh, women like that, you know, on a, on a personal note, on a personal basis, is there remorse, is there regret, you know, when you're going through the investigation and then they're sentenced and they're jailed? Well, there is, yes. To be fair, you know, in that case, uh, Linda 
look at you know they were involved in a in a manic uh, episode mm. in, in Richmond Cottages. Uh, look at it. It took. It happened in 2005 when we didn't conclude the case almost for five years because of you know going through the courts and so on and so forth. And it does take a lot of time. But I would have sat down and spoke to Linda. You know when she admitted what she had done, there was a lot of tears. I can tell you certainly, and an enormous amount of regret as regards having gotten involved in, 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 in the murder. And, you know, people do, they're human beings too. You know, they, they have families, they have children. And, you know, you know and, and I know this mightn't be popular with some people, but you, you do have to take the, the family of the suspect into consideration because, you know, there's a mum and dad may be involved and there's, there's children and they are deeply affected by the actions of, yes. you know, their relative or whatever. So, yes, there, there, there is um, huge regret to, to people. Now, having said that, some people regret that they're, because they're caught. And uh, that that's the only reason maybe yes. they, they are regretting what they've done. But, you know, most people, if you can unlock that little chink in their armour and get into their mindset and then discover why they did it, you know, they're coming from sometimes in chaotic, terrible backgrounds, uh, poverty, re- really abject poverty, and when you sit down and just let them talk, let them and and you just listen, yeah, uh, you 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 gain a huge insight into their lives, yes, and what has affected them. And some come from very troubled, violent backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You, and that, you do have to take that into consideration. Of course, Christy. I suppose from a local perspective here, when you arrived into Drogheda at the height of the feud, let me call it and took charge and uh, I have to say what's happened subsequently is a great credit to you and your teams and all involved. Can I ask you about that? Two things. Um, Were were these criminals allowed to get out of hand and was the lack of policing and the resources that went into policing in this area uh, factors in in it going where it went to? Well, I suppose... When you reflect on what's happened, and, and, and I've had the time to do so over the last uh, number of years, uh, how, do, how do we end up here? And from my observations is, you know, criminals get uh, a grip in, a, in, a, in an underworld situation whereby, you know, they're influencing young people. Uh, everything is rosy in the garden once people are paying their bills to the criminals. And then it starts getting a little bit heated because, you know, somebody owes somebody 100 euros and it multiplies with compound interest into 1,000 euros and then becomes, you know, 20,000 euros. And unfortunately, we have seen that where people uh, have been subject to intimidation and, you know, been taxed uh, for maybe 20,000. And it's usually a parent or maybe a grandmother that or a grandfather has to come up with the, the readies to pay these people. So it certainly can creep up very quickly in the underworld uh, of criminality. Mm. So then, as you talked then about uh, resources, every division in the country, uh, you know, in the recessionary years suffered very badly uh, because of the fact that there was, you know, no guards been coming out of town for more, investment is not there, and that then has a knock-on effect. And when the two of them combine then, uh, it certainly has a huge impact then on the ordinary decent person who's going to trying to go about their business, live their life in, in a very orderly yes. fashion. And that's when the two of them combine and happen. And you had two very powerful groups here who decided to go to war with each other, which is unusual, thankfully. It doesn't happen too often. Unfortunately, uh, I have seen it happen on a number of occasions in Dublin. But 
criminals usually want to get on with each other because if, if they bring the attention of the guards on them, then it starts impacting on their business, which is selling drugs. So in, in, in this instance, what we had was, you know, the two groups who were very, very friendly uh, and, and interlinked, um, you know, with, with families and so on and so forth. Uh, they decided to go and have a pitch battle uh, to the death <clears throat> to to take control, excuse me, to take control of the drugs trade within Drogheda, which, you know, is, is a lot bigger than Drogheda in, in that, you know, you're supplying East Mead, you're supplying right into Northern Ireland as well. So it's, it's not as simple as that. It, it's uh, the drugs trade only in Drogheda. It, it yep. was a, a bigger business than that. And then, you know, the, the huge amount of violence, which unfortunately took place, um, had a huge impact on everybody. It does take a time then for the police and response then to have have uh, the results, such as searches, seizures, uh, arresting people then, and then getting through the whole judicial court process then takes another year, year and a half maybe. But what we are seeing now is the, the results of that, where people are being imprisoned. They are losing their, their, their right to live in a community, uh, you know, free. That's been taken away from them now because of the, the cases that are coming to fruition in court. But that does take a, a huge amount of time mm-hmm. and patience, obviously, as well. And I think we're, we're coming to that, 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 that juncture now where, yes. you know, we're, 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 we're getting there. Um, it was a horrific time, absolutely. Uh, horrific for the people of the town and and I would have sat and spoken to an enormous amount of people as regards what was going on uh, and and I obviously spoke with um, the families of, of 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 young addicts and where they you know had been hugely impacted with petrol bombs been thrown at their houses their 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 children been threatened with death and so on and so forth terrible terrible deeds been perpetrated against them so it does take a, a huge police and response to bring control on that uh, we're 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 a good part of the way there. I never say we're always there because you just you never want to tempt fate, Jerry. You, you know, you, yeah. you, you, every day we're working very very hard to make sure the town is mm-hmm. safe and to make sure this never happens again. This, this, this can never happen again because if if criminals are allowed to take over a town, what's the next town in their sights? You know, is it Navan? Yes. Is it somewhere down the country, mm-hmm. Atlone or wherever whatever town you you care to mention? And uh, I, I, it was. I can tell you, uh, a monumental job to take them on. Uh, but we, we had the, the people of the town who support us completely. Yeah, and, and that support, yeah. you know that from from when you start, the support of the general public and people. And you know they're intimidated and the fear, we know this, and people yeah. are afraid to speak out, and that is understandable as well, even though there is a, a mechanism there to do to do it in confidence. Look, time is going to be there. I just want to say a few things before we go. The, whole, the, the holder of two Scott medals, not one but two, Christy. Um, yeah, Jerry, it's not something that you, you go out looking for. Uh, I have more medals in the guards than I ever got in the GA field, I can tell you that. Um, yeah, yeah the two very violent incidents where, look, people are they're, they're committing armed robberies. The first one, they were mm. committing an armed robbery, and uh, the, their intent is to shoot you, and you know your, your intent is to arrest them. And look, I was with very very good officers, uh, Mick Minogue and Peter O'Boyle. They, they were the two people who were with me, uh, one in each incident. But... Yeah, they are violent incidents where people are intent on on, on yes. hurting you. And the other one was similar. It was a it was a building site. It was robbed in Crumlin, and they they come out and get into their getaway car. Three of them armed, and uh, 
I suppose, youth and exuberance, Jerry, uh, we decided we'd take the three of them on and we took the three of them on and uh, disarmed them and recovered the, the few quid they were stealing as well. So, bravery. Interesting times. Yeah, <laughs> bravery indeed. You, you know, we have the armed unit. Are you happy enough that that's enough as you leave the scene? You know, there's all, always talk about arming the force completely. Are, are, are you dead set against that? I wouldn't agree with arming every guard on the street because I don't think there's a need for it. And yeah. I think then you, you, you then will create a barrier fear between you and the ordinary decent person who wants to come up and talk to you. I mean, you've been abroad, I've been abroad, and you see, you know, police officers on the street with machine guns and yes. so on and so forth. That now, you know, causes mm. me a bit of concern. Am I in a safe area? I don't think we need that. I think we have a very, very good armed response here. Literally, if, if something breaks out in the town here or in Dundalk, we will be there in seconds with an armed response. Yes. And we will deal with it very appropriately, I can tell you. And um, any of the ones I've been involved in them, uh, we bring them to, a, thankfully, in the, in the main, to a peaceful resolution where nobody gets hurt on either side. Mm. Now, you're leaving the scene, but I hope you're not leaving it all together because your experience and advice and all you've been through is so invaluable. But I do know the other side of your course, and I've talked to you over the years about the come on, and the camogie and the hurling and everything. Any plans? Yes, my, my daughters are involved with Black Hole Gales, uh, Emily and Jane, and... Um, I think when they found out, <clears throat> they found out I was deciding to uh, retire, uh, they asked me would I become involved in helping them out in Blackhall Gale. So uh, I'm only too delighted to give them a hand. Um, look, at they're, they're a great bunch of, of, of ladies. Uh, and uh, we'll be training tonight at 7 o'clock in Blackhall, so the better I'll be there. And <laughs> we, we'll knock a bit of fun out of it. Look, at it, it's a great pastime to be yes. involved in. And look, at it, we, we spoke over the years in relation to Meek Mogi, and Meek Mogi is in, in, a, is in a great place. It's the same as Meek Ladies Football. Yes. You know, it's an honour to be involved with them. Uh, good on you. Give, give them a hand, yeah. and they're, they're fantastic women. Absolutely. Listen, Christy, it's been great, and we just wanted to have a wee chat today. I wish you well in retirement. I know you have lots more to give, and I say, on behalf of everybody uh, who you've helped over the years and especially in this area thank you so much and many happy years ahead thank you for joining me thank you Jerry. take care take Bye-bye. care yourself Christy Manga there now it's competition time on late lunch today a TV show theme I have one lined up for you the number you need 086-1800-658 that's 086-1800-658 WhatsApp or text me with your answer I have a lovely prize to give to one of you today tell me the TV show that this is the theme from. It's been running for years and years. What's the name of the TV show? Answers, please, to 086-1800-658. That theme, what show are we talking about? Get cracking and we'll pick a winner before the end of late lunch this afternoon. Now, Apple, I love the iPhone myself. I couldn't be without it, honestly. And we talk about being addicted to phones and never leaving them down. I don't know what I'd do without my iPhone, to be honest with you. And Apple are always innovating and bringing out a new stream of products and a new suite they announced just a couple of days ago and when they do we always talk to one man the man who knows all about IT Declan Bailey from Business Tech Help hello again Declan Hi Jerry. how are you? Thank you, I'm good thanks Declan and thank you for joining me today um, what's the standout uh, of the announcement is it the Mac Studio Declan? Yes, that's the big thing that uh, they launched on Tuesday basically aimed at creators 
video content creators, really, simply because of the speed that they've built into this thing. They're saying it's the fastest machine they've ever built and it's the fastest machine out there for the likes of content creators. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big leap for them. So it's a desktop PC. I don't think it was a bit of a surprise to everybody, was it, when, when this arrived? And also, there's a hell of a monitor you can pair with this, isn't there? Yeah, so it's a standalone, uh, like it, like the old desktop PCs. Yep. So this you can buy and you can put your own monitor with it if you had an external monitor yourself. So you don't need to buy their monitor, mm. but obviously they produce their own monitor as well. But the actual machine itself, the Mac Studio, they're calling it, is for pros, like I say. It's got this fantastic inner core, 10-core CPU, 24 GPU, and 16-core neural engine. So it's absolutely a flyer. Now, mm. really, anybody that's doing any kind of video content, this is the machine. Because every time you go to do any kind of video content in whatever program you're using, obviously the Apple one is Final Cut Pro, it is the time it takes to render out stuff, export stuff. That's what kills this kind of business. So this machine goes to conquer that now. It's expensive, mm. starting off at €2,350. Yes. So it's not a thing that you just go out and run out and buy. Yeah. But like I say, for the likes of that kind of business, it is fantastic. The screen that they've lined up with it, mm. they already have a pro display screen. It's a 32-inch screen, so it's the biggest screen they've done. It's €5,600 wow. just for the screen alone. <laughs> but this new one, to match this Mac Studio, they're calling it Studio Display. Yeah. It's a 27-inch, like the old 27-inch yeah. iMac have. So it's that size, 5K, fantastic graphics in it, and a great internal speaker system with that spatial audio. So the speaker you know, is fantastic. And plus it has now this new that they're coming. Well, it's coming to immediately every Apple product in the next year or so. It's the ultra-wide front-facing camera for the likes of Zoom, for FaceTime. So with this camera now, when you're actually doing FaceTime, either on a phone or a Mac or an iPad, it computates where people are. So if you were talking to me on a FaceTime call and somebody comes in behind you to talk to me, the camera kind of automatically pulls away from you to show them. So it's very ingenious what it actually does. This is built into this display, but this display now is only costing 1,800 euros. Well, I'm saying 1,800 euros. Oh, yes. But compared to the other one. But compared yeah. to the other one, yeah. The, the, the Rolls-Royce is 5,600 nearly, but the screen, 1,800, you might say, along with the 2,350, would leave you with bells and whistles, Declan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, you've got everything there. If you're that kind of business, uh, that kind of concrete creator, this is the way to go for speed, just simply for speed. Like Yeah. So if you're in, into this and, and you, you see the potential and you're going to get the use out of it, this is a fine investment. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Mm. And the, like, the thing about Apple, they're pushing their own Apple Silicon now year on year when they introduced it a couple of years ago. So this is their own chip. So yeah. this, this chip that they have in this Mac Studio, there's two versions of it. You can get a Mac Studio Pro, but you can get this new Ultra chip. It's the M1 Ultra chip. So it's twice the speed. So it, they're just ramping up the speed all the time. Yeah. It looks great as well. I'm just looking at the pictures over here. It's sleek and, and the usual that you expect for Apple as well. But anyway, you, you, you'll be able to launch rockets with this. Not that we don't want anyone launching rockets at this time with the way the world is, but you could literally with what's in this. It's it, it, it's unbelievable. So this is a big step forward and, and welcome to, in the business. I know that in across in industry as well. Do you see many going for it, Declan? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. People have been waiting for this for a long time. Okay, yeah. Apple have been always playing around with bits and pieces of speed, and everybody was complaining that 
if you bought a PC, you could actually make an internal speed clock of your own in a PC. Mm. And Apple wouldn't let you attach anything really. But yeah, this is the one now. They were always going to be waiting for their own silicon chip. Mm. So this is the one now going forward. Yeah, this is just, everything's going to get quicker. Yes. With Apple now, from now on. Even the ordinary MacBooks. Yeah. Everything is going to be quicker. So there you are. The uh, new Mac Studio comes highly recommended from Declan Bailey. Now let's uh, talk about the iPhone and the SE, which they regard as the entry-level handset. Now, they've upped their game here, haven't they, with the new one? Yeah, because in fairness, they took this out a few years back. It's only a 4.7-inch screen, so it's a small screen. Mm. I'd like to say it's an entry-level. Anybody who wants to get into iPhone. It used to be around €499. This variant now is 529 That's your starting price. But what they've done this time, in fairness to them, for an SE, an entry-level phone, they've put the A15 Bionic chip, which is in the current iPhone 13. They've put that chip in this entry-level phone now. They've got 5G connectivity as well in it. They've improved battery life, and the screen is better as well, so it's more durable. So in fairness, yeah, they have really upped their game on that SE model. At 529 it's a good price. Mm, it is a good price, and I just see that, that it's to be welcomed. Uh, it won't break the bank like that one. So it, it really has stepped up, and it's it, it's matching the 13, Declan. And while we ma- mentioned the 13, have they brought out the new colours for St. Patrick's Day? Yeah. <laughs> That's just what it looks like, <laughs> unbeknownst to them. They have two green variants now, uh, lighter and a darker green. They're nice, actually, green. They're nice green looking. Mm. But, yeah, two new for the 13 and the 13 Pro in the lineup that will you can start ordering from actually today. Well, sure, we'll claim it in Ireland. We claim everything else with a tinge of green in it for sure. So I'm sure we'll we'll make a play for this apple. But they're available. They are lovely colours. They caught my attention. I'm a real colour. I'm like a magpie like that as well. I really do like the colour on them. Now, talk to us about the iPad Air because they last updated this what in 2020 September. Yeah. What, what is this the biggest update for a, yeah. a while and significant update for the for the iPad? Yeah. It is insofar as there was always this uh, bionic chip that was in the iPad and the iPhone. But now they've taken the Air and they've put the M1 chip. That's the chip that goes into the MacBook Pros mm. and MacBook Airs. They've put that into the Air. So that literally means now, I don't know, whatever people will be using the actual Air for, the speed is doubled. Yes. That. It has just doubled. Mm. So again, they're going for speed now all the time. And they're seeing that the productivity levels on an iPad has gone up and up and up. People are using it more now for productivity, not just for Netflix or the normal YouTube, the normal run-the-mill stuff. They're actually using that for business and work. And plus as well, the fact that over the last couple of years, the connectivity thing with Zoom and everything else, FaceTime, people did find a bit of a lag on devices. So you do need the actual process to be fairly quick in devices now to support that kind of stuff. So yeah, the the iPad Air has got that M1 chip now. It's also got the center stage for FaceTime as well, like it was said a couple of seconds ago. And Again, a couple of ranges, in the colour range is different as well. But mm. yeah, the iPad Air has come on leaps and bounds. And in fairness, they've kept it at the same price. The starter is €709 Euros for a 64 gig. Yeah, it's a lovely machine. Now, I was just looking, iPad sales dipped last year, but Apple, well, they still dominate the market. They have 40% share. I often spoke to you about this before, where this sits with the phone, and uh, we were we were talking about the, the, the desktop there, you know what I mean, as well, the Mac. Um, do you still see space for them all, you know, and that this suits others, uh, you know, different market to the, let's say, the phone and the Mac? Yeah, it's funny too. I was just talking to a client yesterday and I said to him, uh, go and look at this website. 
I said, if you're going to look at it on a laptop, he said, oh, no, I don't have a laptop. I said, well, then a desktop. He said, no, 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 I don't have it. I just have an iPad. Mm. And I said, all right. See, that's all. He said, yeah, I had the laptop and I got rid of it a year ago. So I just use the iPad now for everything. I, don't, I didn't need the laptop. So, you know, what you ever think you need something for, there's always a workaround. So if you think, no, I definitely need a laptop for this, that and the other, the actual machines now, like the iPad, are coming on so much that when you look at it and say, well, what do I need it for? I need it for this. Well, I can actually do that on an iPad now as well. So it is the portability of that device. People do not want to be hawking around laptops. Yeah. Simple as that. If you can do something mm. on a tablet device, and plus as well with the iPad Pros, 13 inches, like they're, they're massive size. Yes. Yes. But there's always going to be markets for everything. But people will say, okay, look at what, look at what I have. I have a, a phone, a tablet, a desktop, a laptop. What do I need to cut out here? What do I actually not need? So tablets will replace laptops, I would say. Yeah, sure. yeah. So that's that. That's where it's going. The other thing uh, um, that I noticed as well is you mentioned in the past with us Apple TV and Apple TV Plus, and I see now uh, they're going to screen the big uh, Friday night baseball games in the states. Yes. So they're dipping their toes now into the live sport and streaming, aren't they? Yeah, big time, and they've invested a lot of money in their own content. They're producing their own movies now and serial content, so they're really pushing out the Apple TV. And again, simply because it is such an integrated part of the Apple ecosystem. But there was always a problem with the Apple TV that they were short in content. So you would never kind of subscribe for five euros a month yep. to the content they had. So they know that now that there's just not enough value in that five euros. So they are pushing out more and more content. So you will see in the next 12 months, massive leaps and bounds in the Apple content, especially from movies. There are good few movies out this year. Mm. And and finally, Declan, iOS 15.4, which everybody's waiting on and anticipating. Uh, when do you expect? What's the word? Well, it's in beta at the moment. So they normally leave it till the end of the month after the beta testing has been done. So I would say at the end of the month, hopefully. Right. OK, yeah, so that's the one that a lot of people are waiting for with uh, the new features it's going to bring all around. But we leave that for another day. Businesstechhelp.net is Declan's website. If you want help with anything across the IT spectrum, he's your man. Thank you so much for joining us again, Declan. No problem, Jerry. Take care of yourself. No Bye-bye. That's the brilliant Declan Bailey there talking about the new suite of Apple products. Um, I got your message earlier on and I do remember it myself when Christy Mangan was with us, a listener asking, what about the case of John Kennedy from Pierce Park in Drogheda who was murdered over 30 years ago? Uh, I remember the case. He was a bread man. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quiet man um, came home from a, a, a night where he was out for a few drinks with friends and his body was found, uh, I think it was in his house or near his home as well. And it is a cold case. It's still not solved and we think of him today. And thank you for getting it. I just, I just saw it after Christy had left us. But uh, it's one of those cases that you really do hope someday from the family's perspective that they get news of what actually happened, John. I just remember him today and I remember the man uh, well myself. You were at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Coming up shortly on Late Lunch, Tara Walker with another beautiful spring dish from East Coast Cookery School. But it's time for your comedy on Friday. Michael McIntyre, he's a wonderful observer of life. And you know all those jars in the store cupboard that stay there for years and you never use? Ah, well, Michael spotted them. It doesn't matter what you order, there you go. The mainstay of any meal will be salt and pepper. Salt and pepper have done so tremendously well in the herb and spice arena. They are our favourites by a distance. They just wait on the table, don't they? Arrogantly assuming, whatever you want to, whatever you want to prepare, you're going to need us. Either myself or my dear friend Pep. Isn't that right, Rachel Sotter? But there are other herbs and spices. Oregano, thyme, rosemary, cumin, paprika. They're all lined up in the cupboard in the kitchen at home waiting. Sometimes the cupboard door opens, they see salt and pepper on the table. Look at them, the bastards. <laughs> what have they got that we don't have? I just don't get it. You ever been out of the cupboard, Oregano? Once, for Bolognese in 1988. <laughs> they said it was an experiment. I don't think it worked. <laughs> what about you, Cuban? You have been out of the cupboard? I used to live with them at their old house. And they never took me out of the cupboard. Then they moved here, put me back in cupboard. No? What about you, Paprika? I fell out once. They just put me back in, the wrong way round. Seven years. Seven years I was like this. Every day I would pray. I would pray it is goulash day. But it is never goulash day. I've still got the plastic on my head. Why did they buy me? I don't understand it. <laughs> what about you in the end? Who are you? My name is Five Spies. <laughs> You've been out of the cupboard, Five Spies? I'm not just one Spies. I'm Five Spies. I'm five times as good as all of you. This would have even been out of the cupboard. I have been used in Westerpies for thousands of years. <laughs> yes, but have you ever been out of this cupboard? No. no. <laughs> uh, excuse me, sorry to interrupt, uh, but the fact is I've overheard your conversation, it's winding me right up. I've been in this cupboard for longer than all of you put together. Sorry, uh, uh, who, who are you? John West, Tiona, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Isn't he just brilliant? Observation of life. It is the best comedy for sure. Anyway, Michael McIntyre, what a brilliant, brilliant fellow. We're back in East Coast Cookery School, second week of our spring series with Tara Walker. And today it's braised chicken and spring greens. And this is a dish, a brand new dish, especially for late lunch listeners. It's especially for you and I'm making it up as I go along. Um, now, to be fair, look, I've done variations, I suppose, on it. We wanted to do very kind of, you know, spring dishes. It's based on what I could actually get in the shops today. So we have some lovely leeks. I have a little bit of cabbage. I have some asparagus. Um, you could throw a few fresh peas in there. You know, lovely kind of fresh greens is what we're looking for here. So I have my pan on hot and I have a chicken fillet here. Now, I, w- I think it would be lovely to use a chicken breast on the bone for this with the skin on if you have it. Um, but failing that, the chicken fillet is fine. And I'm just popping a little bit of as always I'm oiling the protein rather than the pan so instead of putting a load of oil in your pan and it's kind of burning by the time it's hot enough we're just brushing the rapeseed oil and I'm using rapeseed oil because it's Irish but also it has a high burning point um, with a little bit of salt and pepper going on white pepper? well yes I fancy the white pepper when I'm doing a kind of white braise this is going to be a nice kind of clear broth. I like white pepper rather than having little lumps of black floating around in it. But like, look, each to their own, you know. <laughs> so I'm just going to make sure my pan is hot enough. Once you can over, only hover your hand about an inch from the surface for a second or two, you know you're good to go. And let's just place the chicken down, making sure we have a sizzle. If we don't have a sizzle, we'll stop. There's certainly a sizzle there. I have three chicken breasts here. A good idea then is just to let, you know, give the pan a second or two before you add the next ones on because it can recover its heat then. And really the reason for this is so that it doesn't stick to the pan but also it sears in all of the nice juices. So there's another one going on. And just wait a second again. And do it in a clockwise motion and then you know which one is first, which one is second, etc. when you go to turn them. And there we go. How long will they take there on each side? So I'm going to give them about two to three minutes on each side and then I'm going to pop them into the oven and then I'm going to use the pan to start my veggies. Lovely, lovely Tara. So sealing them really on the pan, that's what you're doing. Exactly. Okay, that chicken, you turned it a couple of moments ago there and it's lovely colour on it. Isn't it lovely and golden caramelisation there? And you can see, as always, there's no juices escaping from the chicken. The pan is totally dry apart from a little bit of oil. So we know that all that liquid is seared in, or sorry, the juices are seared in, and we've lovely flavour going on on the outside, caramelisation there. And now I'm going to pop them onto a little oven-proof dish, switch the heat off there and into the oven now for a good 10 minutes. So your pan, you have the heat on under it again there, and you have the residual juices from the chicken. Exactly, and I'm just popping some little, you can hear the sizzle there. Uh, We can indeed. Cubes of potato, and I'm going to give them a little bit of caramelising here just for a moment or two. And the same with some leek in a minute. I'll give the potatoes longer though. And then I'm going to add my other veggies in and some chicken stock then. And those potatoes, they're lovely little cubes, about the size of an oxo cube or slightly bigger if you want us to describe them for you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they'll be lovely in the broth. Okay, so our little spuddies are working away there in the pan, taking on some colour. Exactly, and just kind of helping to soften them down a little bit, because obviously the other vegetables are much softer than the (coughs) potatoes are. They take a while to kind of soften down. So just moving them around here now. And I haven't put any oil onto the pan, as you can see. I had enough really residual from the chicken. And obviously these potatoes now will take on a little of the flavour of the chicken as well. And you can see the edges just getting ever so slightly Mm. golden brown there, but only slightly. We're not looking for like a roast potato here or anything. It's just to get the flavour into them, really. And here now, my bowl of leeks. I'm going to pop them on. 
And you know, Jerry, every time I cook with leeks, I say to myself, why don't I cook with leeks more often? And I'll go through a phase and I'll forget about them then. <laughs> but they're such a good vegetable to have that's local and in season. Like they grow well here. They're in abundance. And instead of reaching for things that are imported from other places, why not use these beautifully fresh ingredients, you know? And there's so many things you can do them. I love creamed leeks with a roast, especially around Christmas. I love that. Um, just even buttered leeks, obviously through soups and things. So you heard a little bit of a splash there, a little bit of a kind of sizzle there. So that's just the water that's on the leeks. So if I didn't have water on the leeks, I'd actually be popping a little bit of water in there. So either way, it's fine. And we're going to give those a couple of minutes. And now you can start to see the kind of how this is going to end up. Now you have asparagus here too. You're going to chop that up and pop that in? Yes, I am. Now I'm going to wait now a few minutes because this I just want to kind of cook through at the end for the last moment or two. So I'm going to wait until I have my chicken stock in there. As always with green vegetables, it's really important that the liquid that you put them into is boiling before you put it in because otherwise they go a little bit yellow. So Jerry, we're just waiting for that little bit of liquid to cook off that was on the asparagus and that's creating a nice little bit of steam in there. So we've the caramelisation and the kind of steam going on here. When that has just completely evaporated, I'm going to put a knob of butter in. It hasn't got any butter so far and some garlic. And I'm just going to cook out the garlic for a moment or two. Obviously, the garlic's quite delicate. So if you were to put it in too early, it would be burnt. My God almighty, this has come together just beautifully here. So, Jerry, we're just going to finish this off now. The asparagus has softened, but look, it's maintained its lovely green colour because we're on a rolling boil here, which is really important. And now I have some nice, fresh, chopped parsley here. Quite, quite a generous bit of it, really. And a few chives as well. And I'm going to stir those through. A little squeeze of lemon juice, just for a little bit of acidity, as always. It wouldn't be the no. same if I came out here and you didn't produce that weapon to squeeze your lemons. <laughs> I know. Lemon, lime, orange, always have. Le- I actually would nearly have a panic if I looked over at my fruit bowl there and they weren't there. Um, so I always finish everything off with, well, not everything, but a lot. Just for that little hint of sharpness at the end. And I'm just going to have a taste for seasoning now. So this is not very seasoned, as you know. And the whole point is to have it very light and not too seasoned. Like it's not supposed to be, you know, in the winter we're looking for a heavy kind of, you know, something that has lots of sustenance in it and lots of flavour. Whereas this is all light, light, light all the way. Lovely. Yes, I'm going to just leave it another moment actually. The potato just has a slight bite. We'll serve it up in a minute. In the meantime, I'm going to just slice up my chicken now. So it's been resting really well. And I'm just going to slice it now on the diagonal, each one in about three pieces. And we're going to serve that on top of the lovely braise. So I think when you're faced with a whole chicken breast, whole like that. I know it's just not very attractive, I think. So it's nicer to have it sliced like this on the diagonal. So now you're reintroducing the chicken to everything else in the pan. Exactly. So look, I'm, I'm popping it back onto the pan in the sort of shape that I cut it in. But like it's, it still looks like a whole chicken breast. Just letting everybody see what's in there and just placing them on top. And then a final little bit of parsley and chive just to finish it off. And I think that's just a lovely little spring braise. All we got to do now is taste. Just cut that little bit of chicken. Yeah, cut me a little piece there, Tara. That's great. <laughs> will, will I I'm feed try- it to you, Jerry? I'm trying to... I'm try- <laughs> <laughs> no, you're all right. You're all right. You're all right. Here we go. Mmm. Do you know what I love about that? It does what it says on the tin. It's fresh, it's light, it's just, it's perfect for this time of year. Isn't it just? And I think if you were in any way feeling under the weather or it's really easy as well, easy to digest, but, but with the nice kind of freshness as well. Mm. 
It's a big, big hit and the recipes are available on eastcoastcookeryschool.ie. Well, Tara, that is just fantastic. Our second in your spring series of spring dishes and you've nailed it. Thank you very much, Jerry. Great to see you as always. Now, it's Engineers Week all this week and we've been speaking with different people from Irish Water right through the week and bringing our week to a conclusion. I'm delighted to say hello to uh, a water resource strategy specialist with Irish Water, Angela Ryan. Hello, Angela. Uh, Hello, um, and thanks very much for having me on the call today, Jerry. Not at all. And I just looked at your CV. You've been involved in designing roads, buildings, water treatment plants, and here, tell me about this, a nuclear power plant, where? Well, uh, that that would have been in my very early career, and it obviously would have been across the pond there. Yeah. Uh, so I was uh, originally a design engineer on, on one of uh, the build-outs at, uh, at Sellafield there. So very interesting times. Mm. I was very young at the time. Uh, good lessons uh, to be learned there. Mm. Do you think we'll ever see one built in this country? Oh, I'm going down a dangerous road here, am I? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I, I think that would be an ecumenical matter. Mm, <laughs> for sure. Oh, my God. It raises the hackles any time you raise it. But in the context of the cost of energy, you never know. It just might uh, reinvigorate the, the uh, debate. But that's for another day. Tell us, how long are you with Irish Water? Uh, So I've been with Irish Water now for eight years and uh, as you were saying, uh, it's Engineers Week. I am a civil engineer by uh, by trade and I work in the asset management section of Irish Water. So we plan out the projects within Irish Water, essentially. Mm. And, and, and as a woman taking up a, a career when you go back to where you started and working through the various uh, uh, projects you were on and with different organisations, what would you say to young women today as a career in engineering? Uh, well, I would uh, say go for it. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I look back across my career. It's been very varied. Uh, it's always been very interesting. Uh, I've, I've gotten to work internationally. I've worked in Australia. I've worked in England. There's always good opportunities mm. overseas. Uh, the work is very, very interesting. It's taxing on the, uh, on the brain, but it's very, very rewarding as well. Mm. Now, for you and your role with Irish Water, a strategy specialist and the resource that it is, we've been tipping on this right through the week with the different personalities from from Irish Water. What about future proofing, which is your type of area and planning for for the future? What are we going to see over the coming years here in the northeast and right round the country to ensure that we, you know, protect this resource and have it amply available to people? Well, at, at present, Irish Water is developing out a 25-year strategic plan for all of our water supplies. So that's the National Water Resources Plan. And within that plan, we look at every single public water supply across the country. So there's 539 of them. And we look at the needs within those public water supplies. So is the, the correct amount of uh, water available? Can we meet demand? Can we meet growth? Uh, are those supplies environmentally sustainable uh, and resistant to climate change there? So we look at all of those factors for every single one of the supplies and we try to come up with a plan for that supply. And what we'll tend to see over the coming years is a move towards more sustainable supplies. So looking at sources of water that are the right size. So not taking too much water from small uh, supplies. Mm. We're also looking at storage. So 
sources of water where we can store water in winter so it's available during the summer and we're also looking at interconnectivity across our supplies so we've got a very very fragmented water supply in Ireland uh, right now we can't really move water around the networks so what we're looking at is a more grid uh, type water supply with better interconnectivity. And, you know, that is a thing, Angela, I've, I've said it here already this week, that gets me at times. We're, we're drowned, to use a local expression, drowned for so many months in the year. And then we get a few dry weeks and we're told, conserve water, don't use the hose pipe, don't wash your car, turn off. And, you know, that that's just, I, I think in this country, ridiculous. Will we get to a time, as you said there, will we have the storage capacity? And uh, again, it's all back to storage. So if we look at things like droughts, they're almost a mini version of climate change. So in a drought, as you say, uh, we have a lot of water for most of the year. But then at certain periods of the year, we can uh, we have, can have very, very little rainfall for two or uh, three months. Uh, the, the northeast, uh, County Loud, County County Meath uh, in particular are uh, one of the lowest areas of rainfall uh, on an annual average basis across the entire country. So really the key to the successful water supplies in those areas is having the correct amount of storage. So that storage can be underground storage, so in aquifers, so groundwater supplies. It can also be surface water storage, so where we have lakes or dams or impoundments uh, on our rivers. That can give us really sustainable supplies where we're able to store the water over the winter, have it available uh, during the summer. I'm familiar with the old system here in Drogheda where you had the, the reservoirs of Barnarton flowing into Killinear on into Rose Hall and the filter beds and into town when it served Drogheda when it was a smaller town. But look at the population, just taking it as an example here, uh, the way it's exploded, the biggest town in Ireland continuing to grow all of the time. We tap into the Boyne at Stellene, uh, for, mainly for our water now. But isn't there a case to re-look at the storage, the reservoir options? Uh, yes, and we're we're absolutely doing that as part of our plan. Uh, the River Boyne is a good source of water, so it's a groundwater-fed river. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of water in that river, even during dry uh, periods, because mm. it flows from the groundwater. So there is groundwater storage that feeds into that river. But we will have to connect those supplies uh, to some of the larger supplies. So in the future, we would see better interconnectivity between the supplies uh, in Dundalk, in Navan, uh, in Drada, in, in Dublin. So having a better interconnected network, which allows us to move water around and where we have additional storage utilising that across all of the supplies. Yeah, and we have huge, I know that, huge natural lakes in other parts of the country. So it's been able to move that around, not necessarily building new big storage uh, areas. I, I hear what you're saying there. So there are many options here of which new storage I- I is one of them. You love what you do. Uh, I absolutely love what I do. So it's uh, it's one of the most interesting uh, jobs uh, I've ever had. Uh, in terms of Irish water, we obviously took over the uh, the public water supply in Ireland in uh, 2014. And what we're trying to do is to transform that water supply. So we're best in class. We have the most resilient water supplies uh, in Europe that we've got really, really sustainable supplies, that they're uh, they're adaptable to climate change. And really, I, I think that's so important for this country, uh, particularly, as, as you say, the high-growth areas. Uh, we're looking at growth and economic development, being able to create jobs in areas 
uh, having good interfaces between our agricultural sectors, our manufacturing sector. So having the right controls uh, over our water use to ensure there's enough water for everybody. Mm, and it is such a precious. I know we're we're uh, struggling with the price of fuel now to get us around the place, petrol, diesel, home heating oil, etc. But the, you can't understate the importance of water going forward in the future. It is the essence of life. Thank you for joining me on Engineers Week. I wish you well in the future with all you do. Uh, thanks very much, Sherry. Not at all. Angela Ryan there, the engineer with Irish Water, concluding our features for Engineers Week in conjunction with Irish Water. I've enjoyed talking to all of the uh, various people that have been joining us on the show since Monday. Louise, have your, have your little tune ready there to roll, please? Give her a wing there, please. It's lovely, isn't it? Yes, it it's is. like the riddle now every week. Well, I can well, never you, get well, that. Well, antique roll show, <laughs> people are guessing no, Miss Marble, no. It is University <laughs> Challenge that's been going for years and years. Poor Bamber Gascoigne, the original presenter, died recently. Uh, Jeremy, you know, the, the uh, news journalist from BBC Two is, is now the presenter of it. Anyway, um, it is, yes, it is University Challenge. Mark Jones, well done to you. The little prize from us on Late Lunch, uh, winging it your way this afternoon. She does sound like something for Miss Marple. Mm, that's right, I wouldn't be surprised. Or even, you know, Antiques Roadshow. It's similar to that one as well. But it is University Challenge. Louis the apprentice last night getting better or worse I agree I've been getting messages from listeners who just couldn't believe it somebody says there the apprentice last night six clowns Jerry there were six <laughs> left and the final usually features five Louise but it's not going to this year. He sacked two of them last night. There's only four in the final this year. And they're all women. I ain't surprised. The two final boys got the marching did orders last night. Did you say that night. last week? Yes. Yeah, you did. You thought they, he might sack two. Yes, and he did because they in the task they were to develop a baby food and market it. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> Jesus, Louise. Cal Paul. <laughs> Louise. <laughs> a food. <laughs> not a drug <laughs> no Calpol is not a drug Calpol is brilliant so it is for taking down temperatures let me say I'm being facetious there but the food they developed uh, Sugar described one of the foods as something that you put into grout in tiles to grout tiles with oh my god Semolina. the two teams three on each both sold nothing to the people they pitched it nothing Nothing, never seen before on the series. Oh, did they pitch it through taste or did they pitch taste it through... Taste and the name. But okay. the one thing was one of the companies came up with a name for the food and all you could see, they put in little symbols for 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 O-O, but it's D-I-E-S. All you could see is dyes. Dyes on, on the label. With babies, dyes. The word dyes. Oh my God, I'm sure Sugar's sitting there thinking, <laughs> what kind of a crew have I assembled this year? Oh, they were just absolutely brutal. Anyway, there's four girls in the final of the semi-final next week and it's going to be a female apprentice uh, joining uh, Sugar this year. But my, oh Is my. Is it one of the worst you've ever seen? The worst. No, oh. the worst apprentice ever, ever, ever. And he's a new series, you know, later in the year when he gets back into his usual slot. Hopefully they'll pick a 
better crew than they did this year. They were just horrendous. There's one of them, one of the girls I think might make something with them, but we'll we'll see now as the next couple of weeks unfold. Anyway, uh, it's time to uh, talk about my featured soundtrack and movie this week, which is You Love Dirty Dancing, don't it. you? Yeah. It was great. one of your favourite movies. Mm. There you go. Well, there. Great I didn't know that. Ah, oh, it's a great soundtrack. It is. And just to say that the movie was adapted for stage in 2004 in Australia, where it was a huge success before translating to uh, Broadway and then the West End in London and to various other countries around the world. It came to Dublin too. In fact, in London, it sold the most pre-sale tickets in history for a stage show and it ran there for five years and it also broke records in New York too. As for the movie, Louise, did you know this? Dirty Dancing 2 is in the pipeline. Did you know this? With Jennifer Grey. Right. Lined up to reprise her role as Frances Baby Houseman. Now she's 61 at this stage. There you go. But who will play Johnny Castle Mm. as Patrick Swayze is no longer with us? Anyway, time will tell, won't it? I know this is one of your favourites, Louise, from uh, Dirty Dancing. So I'm going to finish off the week with this one. Yes, it features on the film and soundtrack the late Patrick Swayze. With another belter. Through my tree, she rides at night next to me. She leads me through moonlight, only to burn me with the sun. She's taking my heart just to fool Patrick Swayze. Fantastic song. For my featured soundtrack, Dirty Dancing, this week brings the curtain down on the week of the movie and soundtrack. Lovely comment there. Hey, Jerry, thanks for making a dull and wet Friday a little more enjoyable. I hope you have a good weekend. Just a little comment like that does your heart good. Thank you and may you have a lovely weekend and everybody listening too. Final break of the day in the week and up next, it's David Sheehan with a look ahead to the weekend in sport. Friday afternoon, time to look ahead at a very busy weekend in sport. Let's get straight to it with David Sheehan. David, League of Ireland this evening and you're on the windmill road again for Drogheda against Sligo Rovers. Big game. Yeah, huge game, Jerry. And, you know, Drogheda got their first win of the season last Friday with a, with a good win over UCD. Four goals they scored in the process as well. Um, so, yeah, a good, good result for them last weekend. Going to be a tougher test tonight, of course, against Sligo, who've made a good start to the season themselves were held nil-nil by Dundalk last Saturday night on a really sticky pitch, a really difficult pitch. I think both sides were probably happy to come away from that one with a point. Stephen O'Donnell wasn't too happy with the state of the surface, but she'll be a better surface tonight uh, at the head in the game park for both sides. So yeah, it's going to be a tough one for Drada, but I think they you know, they showed some promise last week. It's going to be a tight enough game. They had a good result um, against Sligo away last year, of course, one of their best results of the season. So Looking forward to what should be a really interesting game and I guess it'll be a further test of, of Drogheda's credentials in terms of how they're going to going to go this season. But um, yeah, looking forward to it. I, I think Drogheda might just, might just nick, a, nick a point out of this one but it'll be a tough test for sure. Yeah, a point would be a good return, I feel myself, for them. Now, Dundalk travel up the M1 to Dublin. Many uh, games there this year with so many clubs on the East Coast. Uh, Shelburne, the opponents, you saw them yourself against Drogheda a couple of weeks back. Yeah, I did. That was the uh, Drogheda's first game of the season and Shelburne's second, of course. Um, yeah, Shelburne, they're, they're going OK. They've got four points in their, their four games so far. Uh, one win against Drogheda, of course, and then a, a draw and, a def- and two defeats. So, 
I think, you know, they were pipped against Derry last week, albeit Derry had an awful lot of the ball, as you'd expect, and they got they got a late enough winner in that one, and, and Damien Duff was, was reasonably happy with them for a lot of it, but that they weren't really creating many chances. Um, I think, realistically speaking, you know, the Dock in third place, they would be hoping and expecting to get a win from this one. It won't be easy by any means, um, but I think the Dock should have enough, and, you know, they they had that kind of blip last week on a difficult pitch away against Ligo, but as I said, a point wasn't the worst result. Um, back at, at Talca Park tonight, and what should be a decent surface, I backed on Dock to get the win there. Yeah, they're going well and they've made a very good start. Now let's hop cross water for a moment to the Premier League and the pick of the games is the race for Europe. Manchester United against Tottenham Hotspur. Can I say two hot and cold sides? Yeah, incredible. And I'm sure many people would have seen this during the week. I saw somebody putting up a, a stat on Twitter and I think it was maybe Tottenham's last, you know, around their last 10 games and it was win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. It was an incredible run of results from Tottenham. And of course, um, a good win earlier in the week against Everton. It was 5-0, I think, wasn't it, that one in the end. So people are expecting um, them to maybe follow their form and to get a defeat against United at the weekend. But United really insipid performance in the Manchester Derby last weekend. Uh, didn't really raise a gallop at all against Manchester City and, and spent most of the game chasing shadows. So they're going to have to produce a response. Um, it's a really hard one to call, Jerry, As you said, Tottenham sitting in seventh place at the moment. Um, a win would see them leapfrog Manchester United in the table. Um but, you know, two sides were so inconsistent. I, I, I actually think Tottenham are, are going to get the win in this one, but very hard to call it. I think United need to produce a response. But Tottenham, you know, after that win the other night, maybe will go on a little bit of a run here. So I'm going to give, give our, our North London rivals, both of us Arsenal supporters, going to give Tottenham the nod to, to get the win in that. There you go. Watch this space. United fans will be hoping you're wrong. Now let's move to uh, GA Matters and on Sunday Sport. You have both counties from the North East in action in the National Football League. The first game, Meath against Cork. Meath at home against the Cork side that showed great promise last season. Again, no respite for Meath. Another crucial tie. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, you're looking at the, the bottom of Division Division 2. You've got Cork down and awfully all on a point and Meath on two points. So a win here would be really important. It would move Meath onto four points, which might, you know, might be enough to keep them up, depending on how the other teams go on in the rest of the campaign. Um, yeah, Cork have been really struggling. New manager in Keith Ricken, and he's trying to make a lot of changes. And you know, a lot of players have left the panel. They're trying to bring in a lot of new players. And I know a few people already kind of feel like he's making excuses uh, for for what has happened so far in the league, but. Mead can't really worry about that. I mean, they've had a, a really poor start to the league themselves uh, and I, they, they really need to get a win. I, I don't know how many weeks in a row now, Jerry. I've been saying to you, a must-win game. The down game was a must-win. The Offaly game was a must-win. They got a draw in each of those. But if they're going to give themselves uh, any chance of not being dragged into that bottom two uh, kind of battle, they're, they're going to have to be getting a win against against Cork. Cork aren't going well. Mead are at home. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. They, they have to win that game on Sunday, I think. Louth are in Ulster. Mickey Hart returning to home territory with his new charges. They take on Fermanagh and certainly the wind is beneath the wee county sails. Yeah, flying it at the moment. Um, that, that win against Limerick when they got the last seven points or whatever it was in a row to win that game, then beating Westmead the last day. So their tails are certainly up and um, yeah, they're, they're in really good form at the moment and a trip, a trip to Fermanagh and a skill and it's it's a real cliche but it is a really tough place to go I know I know from the years gone by me they've gone there several times and, and come away with their tail between their legs so it's going to be a tricky one just to, to remind people again this game was meant to be played on Saturday night but it's been switched to Sunday at half past three which actually works out fine for us Jerry from an LMFM sport point of view the two games will, will follow each other and there'll be little or no overlap so loud game throwing in at half past three on Sunday I think with the way they're going at the moment, it's going to be a difficult one. They're both level on points in Division 3, five points 
each from their four games. That would be a crucial win for Louth to get. If they were to win that game, they'd be in with a really, really strong chance of promotion. So uh, I'm going to give them the give them the backing here and, and hope that they get the win. It'd be brilliant for them and it'd give them such a boost in that battle for the top two spots in Division 3. Now, Rugby Union this weekend is back, the Six Nations and the penultimate series of games. Wales take on France tonight and everyone in this neck of the woods will be hoping the Welsh can put one over the French. Italy plays Scotland in the early game tomorrow and then it's the big one for us at Twickenham. Ireland travelling to the Lions then to face England. Have they a chance? Oh, they have. Absolutely, they have a chance, Jerry. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, you know, we, we'll get to the prediction now. I think I, I actually expect Ireland to win this game. I think it's going to be tough for them. We know that. Um, but I think they're in, they're in really good form at the moment. Eddie Jones has been doing his usual during the week and talking them up and making Ireland like hot favourites for this, talking about their cohesion and everything else. But he probably has a bit of a point. Like, there's a very settled team there. I know the last game against Italy was a bit of a strange one with the fact that Italy were reduced to 13 players and that rule that most of us weren't aware of before, before it actually came into effect on, in that game. But I think Ireland are, are just in a really good place at the moment. They, they put in a reasonably good performance against France, even though they lost that game. They, they beat Wales pretty comfortably. Um, I think they're going to be going to Twickenham with, with, their, with their tails up. And uh, yeah, I think, I think they're going to get the win. They had a good win over England last year. Obviously, that was at the Aviva Stadium. The previous Six Nations match between the two sides of Twickenham, England won it 24-12. But England have kind of moved away from that power game. They've lost a couple of key players that, that helped them play in that manner. Manu Tuolagi is out again this weekend. So I think Ireland will just have a little bit too much bit too much swagger and a bit too much uh, craft for England. And I'm backing our boys to, to go and get the win over in England at the start of it. A huge week, of course, with Cheltenham next week and Patrick's Day coming up as well. So let's hope that Ireland get things off to the to a good start in at Twickenham tomorrow. Please God, they will. Yes, it's a huge week of sport ahead, as you mentioned there, uh, with the racing at Cheltenham. David will be in. Uh, uh, David will be at the Drogheda game tonight. Adrian Ta following Dundalk, and you can listen to both games on LMFM.ie or on the LMFM app. And don't forget to join him on Sunday for those big National League games, Meath against Cork and Fermanagh, welcoming Louth. David, until next week, thank you so much for joining us again. No problem, Jerry. Oh, there's lots going on, isn't there? There really is. Love the sport. I really do. Anyway, that's a lot on late lunch for another week. Big thank you to all our guests who joined us through the week. To my producer, Louise Walsh, couldn't do it without her. And to you, our listeners, who join us every day. We love your company. Have a lovely weekend. And we'll be back for the three-day week next week. Yes, two bank holidays next week. Oh, be the God. Anyway, three days. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of late lunch from 1.30 each afternoon. We'll see you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dog and Cabin. Order your new Dacia Duster or the all-new Dacia Sandero and Stepway. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.